0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Aaron Rodgers looking for Devante Adams. He's got it! DJ Moore has it. A-
2: Hello, everyone, welcome along to Rotorviz Overtime and Roto-Biz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined, as always, by Sean Siegel. Sean, we are into, I was about to say, Wildcard weekend again. It is not Wildcard weekend, it is divisional round weekend. And uh, I, I said this on Tuesday's show, I think this is the usually the best football of the year, one of my favourite weekends of the year. And obviously, today is the Saturday show for Rotoviz OT and I'm extremely excited about the Packers playing tonight and uh, hopefully getting that W2 advance to the, the conference championship so it's going to be a fun weekend hopefully everyone out there enjoys the games enjoys watching along has a good time but uh how excited Sean are you for what I'm calling the, the best weekend of football of the entire year
3: excited right I mean this is Chiefs time it's Packers time to see if Joe Burrow can continue his push to join the elite quarterbacks, but I'm also terrified, Carlo, because this is the week that the Kansas City Chiefs could go out as they face this Buffalo Bills juggernaut that now looks like the best team in football. So we have the games starting a little bit later today, we have roster lock on the FFPC Playoff Contest 2 at 4.30 Eastern. And so if you're listening to this Saturday morning, you're still getting a chance to go through, switch your rosters around, getting a chance to make some last-minute changes to your DFS lineups, maybe some of those betting pools that you are in. So Colin, we're going to give our picks in. I don't think that we're going to pretend that our home team biases are not in play they obviously are and yet our teams which I think both of us have to be very scared about they are the favorites right and so if we pick them to win straight up then that's not exactly going against conventional wisdom but they're still going to be hard selections. I'm going to start us off with Chiefs Bills and go with the Kansas City Chiefs the Arrowhead crowd going to make just enough of a difference in this one I think both teams get into the 40s even though they're Defenses have been very good as well, but I don't think that you can stop Patrick Mahomes. I don't think that you can stop Josh Allen with his scrambling ability. Not really scrambling. He's more of a a power running back as he (laughs) takes those snaps and sees the crease. And so you're going to have to to get out there and score. And either team, if they can create some turnovers – you know you could get a gap and then suddenly even more pressure for the trailing lineup but i am going to pick kansas city to come through here if we've seen anything from patrick mahomes in his young career it's that number one he is the best quarterback in football and number two the bright lights do not seem to bother him at all
2: yeah that's one thing's for sure that the bright lights don't bother him but i would say probably in most scenarios so far very similar for Josh Allen. He has stepped up on a a number of big occasions. I'm rooting, Sean, for the the Chiefs here. I'm rooting for the Packers-Chiefs Super Bowl. We didn't get it last year. We came very, very close. We got to see the Packers and Chiefs this year, but we didn't get to see Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes in that scenario. I mentioned on last week's show, I think this Buffalo Bills team is really, really far real. My my big concern for the Chiefs, if I was uh, in your shoes, would be around the Patriots defense being a much better defensive unit than the Chiefs and what we've seen last week the the positive probably for the Chiefs is it's unlikely that the Bills are just going to do exactly the same as they did last week and be able to rack up those touchdowns in in such a kind of efficient manner but I think that there's a very high chance here that the uh, Bills take this one but I'm (laughs) I'm going to for, for the purposes of entertainment on the show, I'm, I'm going to go with the, the Chiefs here. We need this Packers Chiefs Super Bowl.
3: So Chiefs less than a field goal favorite at home in a projected high-scoring affair. The pundits, the experts, the betters see this in a similar way. A lot of danger for Kansas City here. The Titans bigger favorites at home against the Cincinnati Bengals but they face Joe Burrow in what we might call a resurgent passing offense after the struggles sort of midway through the season there. And Jamar Chase over the last month, or at least the last three weeks, has looked like the most unstoppable receiver in the game, perhaps uh, even trumping Cooper Cup, which seems crazy to say. They have T. Higgins, they have Tyler Boyd, Boyd also on sort of a month-long run here where he has been very solid, scoring some touchdowns, giving them that third option. You know, one of the talking points last week was that you didn't need to go to CJ Uzama in these fantasy playoff contests because you could be easily differentiated without that, and yet he comes through with a monster performance, reminding people that if you do manage to take some of these other guys away, Joe Burrow can find the peripheral targets. And so... We know that the Titans have an elite defense. They use that to throttle the Chiefs 27-3 to early in the season. They're going to have Derrick Henry back. He could control the clock in this game. I'm going to argue that we should take him in our playoff contest here in a minute. But, Colin, I just I have to keep going with our Bengals and Joe Burrow. I think they have too much firepower here. Should be a fun game for A.J. Brown. When the 49ers were blowing out or controlling the Titans late in the season, The Titans went to Brown. They came back. They won the game. They clinched the number one seed. And that could be the type of game we see in this one. I'm going to take the Bengals.
2: Yeah, this year, I guess people listening to the show, Sean, are going to know that we we have been on this train for a long time. I mentioned, I can't remember after which game it was, they had a big win during the season relatively early. And I said, like, in the AFC, this is the team that I want to root for all year long. And that was just right before they went on that dip where things started to look very bleak for them but um things have really been strong over the final stages here of the season it looks like the young team is really pushing on me i i think it can't go overstated joe burrow came back from a serious knee injury there was talk in the offseason and as the season has gone along i'm sure psychologically for him he has got stronger and has more belief that he has fully recovered and is now you know starting to move about a bit more and things like that so i'm going to go with the bengals as well i just have to follow this all the way through the titans um, are a very very strong team, but I think in terms of what the Bengals do, the one thing I, I need from this Bengals team this weekend is they need to be aggressive. I think at times they start coaching a little bit scared. They, you know, don't really push push it, you know, down the opponent's throat. And I think that's what they need to do here. I think they to beat the Titans this week. I think they're going to have to lean on the t- wide receivers. They're going to have to lean on Chase, and they're going to have to lean on Higgins. I think if they don't do that. I think the Titans will win. But uh, yeah, I think that's where we might differentiate from some of the other predictions uh, I'm going with the Bengals here. Sean, the the Packers and the 49ers will jump to that one. And I, I've hinted at it a few times this week. And something I meant to mention when you were saying about the Chiefs and, and you know, the nerves and the excitement. There's no doubt I am nervous heading into these games. My opinion at the moment, and I've told a lot of people this, is if the Packers don't win the Super Bowl, I'm going to be disappointed at this point. Um but heading into it, this is why you go through 18 weeks of the season now. At this point, this is why you go through these games is to have your team in a position for this. So I think that while I will be nervous heading into this, I think it's very important for fans of these teams to be excited because, like the Packers, this could be the last run for Aaron Rodgers in this team. We've seen Big Ben likely retiring after his loss last week. If the Packers lose this week, this could be the last game for Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, depending on how the offseason plays out. So I think there's a lot of factors that you have to to factor in like that, and it's important to enjoy these times. So I'm confident in the Packers heading into this one. I I actually think they could win this one very convincingly. I also (laughs) then at the back of the panic where I think it could be very close. But I think the way they're going to win this is going to be through the air. And you've hinted at it a number of times with Devontae Adams and how he separates himself at the wide receiver position. I think a lot of it's going to be down to him, but I think we see Rodgers have a big day here. I think we we see the Packers win it uh, going away. I don't think you're probably going to have the same opinion as myself on that one, but what's your thoughts in this game?
3: I'm going to go ahead and pick the 49ers to help jinx them and to move your team along. I think that's the least I can do for you. To
2: You did this last year, Sean. You picked the Buccaneers. <laughs>
3: Did it not jinx him I, I i blocked that out completely no I thought, yeah, yeah
2: you, you actually you forgot all about the super bowl happening last year and everything with the the way it played out so yeah
3: yeah i don't i don't have any recollection of the 2020 playoffs so as, as far as i can tell the chiefs are still trying to defend their title no we look at the 29ers <laughs> and over the last 10 games they're the best team of football right they're eating two they have two wins over the Rams, they have a win over the Bengals. They have this win last week over the Cowboys. One of those two losses comes in that game that we just mentioned against the Tennessee Titans, where you know you lose in a close game against the AFC number one seed. They showed again last week. I mean, there's all this discussion about you know will Mike McCarthy get fired? What's wrong with the Cowboys? I mean, there's some reason, and we'll talk a little bit about that in a second with CD Lamb. And what's wrong with the Cowboys? But I mean, that's just not an embarrassing loss, right? I mean, this 49ers team may be better than the team that was, you know, a few minutes away from winning the Super Bowl against the Chiefs a couple of years ago. They don't have quite the same dynamism in their running game that that team had when they ran all over the Packers in the playoffs. But they have a young guy, Elijah Mitchell, who fits this offense perfectly he finds the cutting lanes. He's got the long speed to create the big plays. He's demonstrated plenty of power in a smaller frame so he can push through for the short yardage types of plays. And then they have a receiving core that at this point is one of the most dynamic in the NFL, right? Debo Samuel, maybe the most unique player that we've seen in quite a while. In the first half of the season, he looked like the best receiver in the NFL outside of Cooper Cup. In the second half of the season, he's looked like maybe the best running back in the entire NFL. We saw that again last week where he cuts through traffic there. His combination of lateral agility, one-step quickness, right? Getting back up to full speed or not even breaking speed as you're moving laterally. And then the vision to see the holes as they develop, cut through them. It's really something to behold, right? It it reminds me a little bit of Barry Sanders. I pulled up some Barry Sanders highlights the other day and, and watched through those. And One of the things that's kind of funny now is you watch video of the old guys and the shoulder pads that they're wearing are so gigantic that they don't seem like normal human beings compared to what we're used to seeing now. They all look like, uh, you know, they've been put through funhouse mirrors with the pads that they were wearing in those days. So it gives you a little bit of a different vibe, but Debo carving through there. And then you have George Kittle, who, I mean, he's now on a multi-game slump but at any given time when he could bust out for a 170 yard game his ability after the catch is really sort of unparalleled at the tight end position clearly you've got guys like Travis Kelsey who are outperforming him overall but you know you move Kittle into an offense with Patrick Mahomes you're going to see some absolute craziness the real question here is what Jimmy Garoppolo can do number one the ability kind of overall he was he took a hard hit in that super bowl kind of down the stretch Then played very poorly in the fourth quarter that was one of the things that led to their collapse we know that garoppolo has a little bit more of this kirk cousins ish vibe where when he's got great play calling when he's got great weapons around him when there's not a lot of hurdles or stresses thrown at him in a game he can look very good can be very efficient can make the open throws But sometimes when things break down, he can break down. And so Garoppolo and Matthew Stafford, really the quarterbacks in the playoffs this weekend where very high ceilings, especially for Stafford, but you wonder about the decision-making, right? And one of the things that has been a big talking point with the Rams has simply been that they have now gone so run heavy as a result of some of the strange decisions that Stafford has made, throwing some deep passes and double coverage, that type of thing. So those two guys could either be the star version and lead to the upsets. They could be the mistake-prone versions and get their teams blown out. But I I think that the 49ers are the best team in the NFC right now. And so this game becomes much more of a toss-up than – the line which makes the Packers almost full touchdown favorites when you look at that and you see them as the biggest favorite this weekend I think you have to be pretty confident when you look at the talent the 49ers bring on both sides of the ball right I mean their defense has been very tough as of late you know you look a little bit at the injuries that they've had that they suffered in the wild card game but it sounds like those guys are going to be more or less okay this should be a fantastic game and Considering the way that the Packers play and the strengths that the 49ers have traditionally brought to the table, it will be interesting to see if either team goes out there and tries to put up a lot of points. I mean, you're trying to score every drive. You're going to try and be efficient either way. But if one team can really get any type of a gap, that'll put pressure on the opponent to be a little bit more explosive, a little bit less patient, take maybe the teams out of their comfort zones. That part of this game and the total number of possessions that we end up seeing will be an interesting factor.
2: Yeah, I 100% agree on that. I think the Packers. I think if they are behind, are probably better built to with Aaron Rodgers' decision making to to make a comeback. I think if the Packers and where I I've talked about the game staying closer, the game getting kind of stretched in terms of in the Packers' favor. I do think if the Packers take a lead, I don't know how well Jimmy Garoppolo is going to play in that situation to pull them back out of it with the kind of thumb situation that's going on and the conversation around that we'll see how that progresses you mentioned some of the players who are a little bit banged up for them you know are they 80% are they 100% are they 75% those guys are going to play because it is such a big game either way I think I don't think we'll see those guys sitting out but it's going to be interesting depending on how that plays out this week but Obviously, Sean, I'm hoping that you're wrong, Uh, but we'll see. (laughs) We'll be talking about it, obviously, on the shows next week. The final game to discuss is the Bucs and the Rams. Um, I think very similarly to what I was touching on and depending on how the injuries will play out for the 49ers this week, the Packers seem to be getting all their guys back at this point. Other teams are losing some of their players. The Bucs are pretty banged up. They've already lost, obviously, the big names and the likes of Chris Godwin Antonio Brown, no longer on the roster. We'll see what happens with Leonard Fournette, who missed this past week. And then some injuries to that offensive line. So my big concern here for the Buccaneers is the way the Rams defensive line is starting to really ramp up and how much pressure they put in Kyler Murray this past week. And then if there's issues to that offensive line off the Buccaneers, how much they get to Tom Brady. So there's just I just think that the the Buccaneers feel to me like maybe there's a couple of injuries just too far in this situation. And I think that's where the the Rams probably take advantage of it here in this one. So I'm leaning to a Rams victory. Uh, Are you going with Brady in the books or are you leaning towards Matthew Stafford uh, not making any of those decisions that you hinted at a moment ago?
3: Well, I'm really conflicted on Stafford, right? Because as a longtime Lions fan and obviously a huge Megatron fan, and you have Stafford throwing those passes and you have almost the 2,000-yard season with those guys. You see him come back out and do a similar kind of thing with Cooper Cup this year. I mean, one of the frustrations that I have is this idea that, oh, now Stafford is on a competitive team and we can see what he can do. He had good teams with the uh, Rams, with the Lions. Not all of them, right? But when you have some of the players that he had, when you have a Calvin Johnson, when you have some of those weapons, you had an opportunity to come through before. Now, just because you had an opportunity to come through before doesn't mean that this won't be your time. And I think that we have six maybe seven teams that we can be fairly confident in what they are as they go into this week even a team like the titans where maybe they don't have the normal ceiling that we're familiar with from an overall number one seed we can be confident that ryan Tannehill is going to be solid we can be confident that derrick henry if he's as healthy as it looks is going to run hard is going to be a difficult matchup we can be confident that their defense is going to play well You know, maybe A.J. Brown is the wild card in that sometimes he makes big plays. Sometimes he doesn't. Every once in a while, he'll drop a pass. You know, can they get him unlocked for the big play? But these teams, very solid. And then you have the Bengals. Maybe that's a wild card team. The other wild card team here really is the Rams. and that they can be very, very good or they can look like they have absolutely no idea what they're doing. I think it's a big red flag that they've appeared to lose confidence in their quarterback. So right at the same time that we're saying, okay, well, Matthew Stafford finally has his chance, you have Sean McVay losing his guts, right? And you can say, well, you know, you got to play the right thing. If Sonny Michelle's finding all of these gaps, if Cam Akers is back and looks faster than Michelle and is able to make the big play off of these highlight runs, you know, you don't want to lose that element of it. You know, you make the defense account for both guys. You create a situation where the defense can't just go out there and double and triple team Cooper Cup. We saw the Cardinals, despite how poorly they played in a lot of facets, really were one of the handful of teams that made it very difficult for the Rams to find Cup through the first three quarters. If there was anything that kept them in the game a little bit or made the humiliation less embarrassing is though they were kind of able to control Cup. We know the Rams are going to have some plays here to try and take advantage of other guys. You're going to have to unlock Beckham. You're going to have to unlock Higby, but How aggressive are they? Are they going to run into this Buccaneers wall? And then will some of these defensive guys make plays? I mean, you look up Aaron Donald and some of the plays there. I mean, one of the things I thought was a little bit unfortunate is that the Rams showed maybe some questionable sportsmanship at times in that win over the Cardinals. But there's no question that they have guys who can go out and take advantage of this Buccaneers offensive line that's beaten up. And, you know, we don't have to go back that many games to find Tom Brady spiking his tablet and you know, making headlines for all of the wrong reasons there against that Saints defense. So, this one I think could go anywhere from a Buccaneers blowout where the Rams self destruct, Stafford creates a couple of turnovers, Tom Brady picks apart the Rams defense and looks like the peak version of himself, all the way to the far opposite end where the Buccaneers are in the situation that the Chiefs found themselves in last year's Super Bowl where Brady is kind of running for his life. And we know he doesn't do that well, right? I mean, he needs guys to come open. He needs to pick apart the defenses that are presented to him in sort of clockwork fashion. And we know now that without Godwin and without Brown, that part is going to be more challenging in the first place. It gets even more challenging if he doesn't have the time we saw a section of that game with the Eagles where if you're a Buccaneers fan, I think you're terrified of what's going to happen this weekend. So I'm also going to pick the Rams, but picking them knowing that the Rams are one of these teams that one week they're amazing and the next week you're trying to figure out, you know, what the coaching staff is doing and if the team uh, is wanting to play football or maybe a more passive sport like uh, perhaps croquet. No offense to anybody who plays croquet. There are some pretty aggressive games of that as well.
0: Hey, RotoViz fans, this is Dave Cabin from the RotoViz Fantasy Football Podcast, taking a minute to let you know that as a loyal RotoViz listener, you can get 10% off a one year subscription when you use the promo code RVRadio2022 at checkout. It gives you full access to all of our content and tools. And again, that's RVRadio2022 at checkout for 10% off a one year RotoViz subscription Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. With
3: Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much
2: about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now constant contact helping the small stand tall ConstantContact.com. we're going to look now Sean at one of the players that we have kind of touched on a couple of times over the last week or two but we haven't really got to dive into and look at what kind of that has happened this season might lead to next season and I think at the moment it'll be a player who divides opinion I know he's somebody that we both really like but the season hasn't worked out well for him overall it is CD Lamb um you know, sometimes you'll say, like, there's games where he really flashed. There's, there's probably a couple of catches that he really flashed, but nothing really that pushed him further forward in terms of people's expectations, I guess, moving forward. We had huge hopes from heading into this year, a really strong start to his career in the NFL. But the situation in Dallas, and, and you know, you've touched on it earlier in the show around the coaching situation and, and will there be changes there, should there be changes there, and then what has happened Obviously, with the way that the targets have been shared around this offense, um, what is your thoughts as you know one of the people who I think probably as high as anyone head on Lamb heading into the season? What are we looking at heading into this off season? Is he somebody who's a, a buy low, or is he somebody who you know we should have legitimate concerns around?
3: Yeah, both of those things, right? <laughs> and so the question that we have to answer first, and will be one of the really fun things about you know, these first couple of months, once we get into the offseason once we get into best ball drafts is what is the price? Because for so many of these players, we won't have a real sense of what we want our 2022 strategy to be until we see how the rest of the community is valuing them. But Lam, a huge disappointment, right? So you, know, you look through the first 13 weeks and he averages almost 17 points per game, but even within that, He has three games where he's held below five points. And, you know, you think of, even thinking back to kind of our situation there with Jarvis Landry a couple weeks ago, and you're thinking, well, can he get to 11 and a half? And, you know, what are the pluses? What are the minuses? What are the median outcomes? You know, we look through the game level similarity projections. We look at all those historical matches, you know, how many of them come above, how many of them come below. And, you know, sometimes that can be a little bit disconcerting. When you have a guy like C.D. Lamb, who is a second or third round pick in a foundation part of your team, whether that's dynasty or in redraft, I mean, you need the guy to not be a real threat to score fewer than five points. And that's pretty crazy right now. He mixes that in with three games over 20. One of those is a 36-point game against the Patriots in week six. At that point, you're thinking, okay, well, now he's going to take off. But if anything, things got worse, right? And so from week 14 on, you have this continual stair step down into nothingness where he scores 14.6, 11, 10.4, 8.1, 6.5. And then that culminates with this playoff game where he's absolutely invisible. And if you pull up the, the Monday review tool and kind of see where the season went wrong, right? Right. Over the first 13 weeks, he plays in 11 games. He has a 20% target share, which really won't get the job done. But you're splitting time with Amari Cooper, Dalton Schultz, Michael Gallup is in there some, although he misses most of this time. Gallup only 39 targets in the span, but Cedric Wilson comes in fills in with 44 targets. So those two guys together have more targets than, say, Amari Cooper or Dalton Schultz that spot in the lineup is getting a lot of targets in this Cowboys offense but then you look at some of the peripherals here and you see that his air share is 26 and a half percent his target depth is over 11 yards down the field that's very much not an elite wide receiver one type of profile but it's a profile that makes some sense and you can say Well, the issue here is just that when you have an offense that's very spread out, sometimes this is going to happen, and you're hoping that the fact that it's spread out and that the defense has to account for all of these different guys, that at least the efficiency level is high. And so pluses and minuses with that. But then you move to this stretch here, starting in week 14, finishing with the wild card loss, and it's just cataclysmic right? His target share drops to 16%. His catch rate is down at 67%, which you're thinking, well, that's not disastrous until you realize that his target depth is now below eight yards. I mean, he's not being targeted down the field at all. His air yard share is below 16, right? Now, his air yard share is below 17. It's below Cedric Wilson during this time period. And You also look at some of the other elements here. You know, he doesn't score a receiving touchdown in this span. Schultz, Cooper, and Wilson combined for 11. Now, a lot of these things are going to be fluky. And there are things where you're saying, yeah, very easily that makes him a buy low. You look at the racer on the really shallow target depth, and it's above one. That's not bad. But again, when you're being targeted at that depth, you know, you should be efficient at turning those air yards into actual yards because you want your catch rate to be good at that shallow of a depth. And so it's really very confusing, I think, when you have an offense that put up a lot of yards. That was one of the talking points going into this loss to the 49ers is that the Cowboys are so good on both sides. They put up a bunch of yards. We know that they have all of these weapons, but The fact that you're a potential star and the one guy on your team who at least in theory could be a dynamic playmaker that puts a lot of pressure on the defense in a way that is separate from just having a lot of targets and this pick your poison offense. That guy had been very quiet going into the playoffs. And so opposing defenses now, don't really have to account for a player who's like a Cooper cup or like a Devonte Adams or like a Debo Samuel, they go in and they shut him down again. Yeah. I mean, you give up some yards and points to Dalton Schultz. You give up some yards and points to Amari Cooper. But one of the things that we saw in that game is that if your offense is built around Schultz and Cooper and Cedric Wilson, then you lose your playoff game to the 49ers, right? Because Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, are not guys you can build a rushing attack around. You know, there's been all this talk about, you know, they need to move to Pollard. But I think the part that we miss there is that Pollard, he's somebody that I like, and he's someone that you should roster, and the explosive plays are great. Some of the things he does from an efficiency perspective are great. But we have to be honest, I mean, Tony Pollard is not a game-breaking back either, or else he wouldn't be playing behind the shell of Ezekiel Elliott. I think that sometimes we get this idea that, because of what Elliott's done in the past and because of the contract that even if he were the worst player in the NFL and Tony Pollard were Jamal Charles, that it would still be Elliott. I don't, I mean, it's not that right. There's not that big a gap between these guys. And so for the Cowboys to have not developed an offense where Ceedee Lamb was a playmaker, it's either a huge problem for Kellen Moore, who, I mean, I've really liked him. It's been fun to kind of watch some of the things that the Cowboys have done But there's a problem in the chain here beyond just the running backs. And it's either Kellen Moore or it's Dak Prescott or it's CeeDee Lamb. You know, you look at the fact that the Cowboys have feasted on the bad teams, but when they go out and play playoff caliber teams, they look pretty clueless. And so, and that's an issue. I mean, you can't just kind of sweep it under the rug and be like, that Denver Broncos game didn't happen. And so if it's Lamb, then that's unfortunate. As we try and make him a foundation point of dynasty teams. If it's Dak Prescott, it's going to be hard for Cowboys fans. Now, again, within the context of what their schedule is and some of the things that they do do to bring all these other targets in, I think Dak Prescott is going to be fine for fantasy. You know, is he someone who wins you Super Bowls? That's very much still in question. And then you look at the coaching staff at the Cowboys, you know, can they help win you Super Bowls? That also a tricky question there. But Lamb, someone we're still going to be wanting to acquire, and yet there's no question that this has hurt his, his outlook, right? He didn't make plays, and we can say all we want that, okay, well, if he was the first read, but teams are taking him away, and the Cowboys have all these other guys, I mean, why do you want to force the ball to CeeDee Lamb when you could throw to an uncovered Cedric Wilson? And frankly, Cedric Wilson is often uncovered and has scored plenty of points in this stretch. So you could say that's good decision-making from the perspective of Dak Prescott. And yet one of the things that we were kind of looking at, and one of the things that was kind of the mild red flag for Lamb is that he doesn't have this elite size speed combination that some of the other players have, right? I mean, he's not an A.J. Brown. He's not a Jamar Chase from the perspective of Chase having that long speed that, it's just a, such a big factor every play. You know, he's obviously not going to be a Tyreek Hill. You know, does he have the athleticism of a Devontae Adams? I think it's, it can be easy to miss sometimes because Devontae Adams is not a straight line speed guy. That There's basically no wide receiver in the NFL that combines lateral quickness with vertical jumping ability like Devontae Adams. And then when you have Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback who can take advantage of that, he's almost uncoverable. Is there an element to Lamb's game that makes him uncoverable? Possibly. And we know that you don't have to have this transcendent athleticism if you have some of those things. Cooper Cup is not a transcendent athlete, and he was over 1,900 receiving yards this year, right? So it's not impossible that Lamb comes through, but all of these questions are now important questions that we're going to need to get some answers to. He's gone the wrong direction this season.
2: Yeah, he definitely has, and you know, obviously, we're very excited heading into the season as rookie year. You know, a lot of positive things there this year. He actually has pretty much matched or bettered a lot of his, uh, you know, overall yardage, total receptions, uh, touchdowns from the previous season. But I think we were expecting so much, especially in you know redrafting that, getting him in the second round, for example. Comes out in week one, has seven for 104 and a touchdown against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, He had 15 targets in that game. That was a season high. He did only go over uh, 10 targets or 10 or more targets in three games after that. He also had the game you mentioned against the Patriots where he went nine for 149 and two touchdowns in that. The week before, he had four for 84 and one. And the week after that Patriots game, he goes six for 112. But it really, from that point on, outside of the Atlanta game where he had the, the two touchdowns, it, it kind of it faded off. And the other thing was those games were so big that you know most of his production for the entire season came in those games that he just mentioned. So there wasn't a huge amount of consistency. The offense definitely could have used him more, I think. But you mentioned, is it the coach? Is it the play caller? Is it the quarterback? Is it the wide receiver? There's a lot of questions to be answered there, but... As he heads into year three, I think there's still a lot to be positive about, but he feels like somebody who, when we see, if we're seeing him, Sean, in that you know fifth round or fourth round, we're probably going to be very, very tempted to go again. But that that is the outlook for CD Lamb. We'll be talking about him more throughout the offseason here on RotoViz Overtime.
3: Colin, before we get to the end, though, we, we have the playoff contest locking in a few hours here. We kind of teased it in the last show, and I threw it to you for the big pick on whether or not you're going Derrick Henry, you're going with the clear-cut play, you think he has the upside to carry these FFPC playoff teams to glory based on obviously having the rest of your lineup and the rest of your scenario set properly, but you didn't quite give us the answer on that. We're going into the weekend. Here is Derrick Henry. The way you're playing the Tennessee Titans in these playoff contests,
2: you we talked about it last week. We're going to talk about it now again. I think the tricky part is the wide receivers you use. So we're not going to pivot off. Sounds like we're not going to pivot off Devontae Adams, even though I'd be leaning to maybe go with the Aaron Rodgers right there. We're not going to pivot off Cooper Cup. That's to get that team out of it. We'll see what happens with the Buccaneers maybe we can squeeze a running back in there you were kind of talking about the opportunity for maybe a running back from the Chiefs there's very very little opportunities for running backs this week so I think that Derrick Henry is probably going to be the one that has to go in there as the the lock at running back it's very hard to pick two others I think that they'll be as comfortable with
3: you're not going to go Keyshawn Vaughn he would be a probably a a pretty low roster play this week
2: he he will be a low roster play this week you're correct (laughs)
3: <laughs> so we're hoping for one of the things that we've mentioned. We don't have these running backs during the regular season. We know that over the course of 16, 17 weeks, there are some real problems with building your team around the running back stars. These playoff contests, you don't have to have as many things go right, they don't have to stay healthy as long. Those big games can be very contest determining. So, you know, we won't have Derrick Henry again next year either. This is our chance to root for Derrick Henry or at least not be torn apart when Derrick Henry goes for 250 yards and four touchdowns. So we have some Henry in these playoff contests. We'll see if that pans out or, you know, if Singletary just continues to carry all the teams through. So, Colin should be a, a great weekend of football. Good luck to everyone in their playoff contests, in their home leagues. As you root for your favorite teams to win the Super Bowl, this is the week you got to get through if you want to win the whole thing.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a fun weekend. I hope everyone does enjoy it. As always, you can get yourself a listeners-only discount to a Rotavis NFL Pass as a loyal podcast listener. If you use the promo code RVRADIO2022 at checkout, head on over to rotavis.com forward slash podcast for additional information. Click over on the youtube channel as well hit that subscribe button we would appreciate that as we start posting some more content over there over the off season that is sean D day or decision time or make or break for all these rosters we talked through some of the scenarios earlier in the show so let's see how it all plays out we'll be back on tuesday to recap it and to talk about it all through a fantasy football lens as well so with that, all that's left to say is my name's Colum Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtum My co-host is Sean Siegel. Check out all of Sean's work up on rotoviz.com. And of course, check out the Stealing Bananas podcast with Ben Gretsch as well. And until we're back with another show, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Roto-Viz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage rotoviz.com
1: forward slash podcast.